the Growth Happens Dawn to Dusk podcast with Matt Devitt. He talks with people about their journey, where they succeeded and failed to help others on their quest. We're all on a journey that starts and ends every day. This is when we grow between dawn and dusk. And now your host, Matt Devitt. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Growth Happens Dawn to Dust podcast. This is Matt Devitt bringing you another fantastic, always in my opinion, fantastic episode with an interesting guest that we have by the name of Daniel J. Edwards, who is a voice actor, does voiceover work. He's also been on Broadway. He sings, he dances, and he's really, really insightful when it comes to how to look at and, and kind of take on that perspective of moving up within the arts and that business and how he's changed his perspective along the way that has really helped him to be more successful over the years. So hope you enjoy this conversation I have with Daniel all over the place. Talk about a lot of topics as I think you uh, would expect from me by this time. Now, without further ado, oh wait, almost forgot to do a little self-promotion. If you guys like this, definitely share. Give me a like, subscribe, a five-star review. I'm definitely enjoying reading the feedback that I'm getting from people. So again, thank you for all of that. And so now, 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 without further ado, let's get into our conversation with Daniel J. Edwards. Daniel, welcome to the Growth Happens Dawn to Dust podcast. Thank you for your time. Really, really looking forward to talking with you today. How's it going, Matt? Thanks for having me. I got to say, first off, um, that introduction... That Devitt's podcast. That's pretty dope. Well, I appreciate that coming from somebody that does uh, the voice acting and voice over work. Um, good to know that that actually hit the mark. And of course, truth be told, uh, I didn't do that. Um, uh, went on Fiverr <laughs> and uh, and found somebody with far more talent than myself and uh, had them produce that for me. But thank you, thank you very much. So, Daniel J. Edwards. Family connection, which has been great. You and I have known each other for quite some time. I've seen you on Broadway. I've listened to your voice in movies, doing voiceover work, and all sorts of other items um, from the, I guess, the creative and artistic realm. So I'm going to have to pose the first question to you, you know, since you've had such a broad background of items that you've worked in. When people walk up to you and they ask the whole, you know, what do you do? Um, You know, how do you, how do you even broach that conversation with them? How do you get that started? (laughs) Uh, I I still don't really know how to navigate that other than um, I say, well, I do, I'm an actor primarily, uh, an actor and a singer. And then if they're interested past that, then I just say I I specialize in musical theater and voiceover work, uh, particularly for, you know, kids animation. Uh, and if they go further, I say things like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and video games and stuff like that. And uh, that's usually as far as it goes. <laughs> no, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it is, uh, it is one of those hard items because you never quite know when the person asks, like, is it just the, uh, the in passing? Um, so what do you do or do they really want to dig into it? Um, so, when would you say you got started on the path of the overarching term that you used? Which I'm sorry, what was that? So uh, 
getting started into into acting. When do you think that got started? When did you like really get started into that? And, and when did you decide to make it a career? Oh gosh. Um, well, I think you know, for most artists in general, it starts at a young age. You you like the attention that you get from doing something, whether it be emotion or uh, mimicry. Or for me, it was mimicry. I would watch. Uh, the Disney movies and replicate that like Winnie the Pooh and uh, you know I'd sit at a piano and listen to someone play it and then I'd try to replicate it so for me it was it was mimicry at a very young age I found that uh, I liked what other people were doing on like uh, I guess Lawrence Welk was a big one um, there's a lot of cool like tap dancing and singing and stuff so I tried to replicate that and uh, I would get a good response from the family. <laughs> uh, and so I just kept doing that and I found joy in that. So uh, I tried to pursue that. So I'd say probably five, five years old. Okay. So this is, uh, this is something I guess you've been uh, uh, working on, maybe not striving towards is the right idea, but, you know, working on and it's always been top of mind to you as far as, you know, moving down that acting path. So when... Well, so then, okay, so you've been working on on that for a while. I'm assuming you stayed that way all through, you know, high school and even after high school. So what was that transition from mimicry to I'm going to do this as a career? Like, did you, do you remember a moment when that kind of clicked in your head of like, oh, I'm I'm doing this for life as opposed to just I'm doing it to copy? Uh, Yeah, I think towards high school like the my junior year after my second session at Interlochen so Interlochen is a is a fine arts camp in Michigan that specializes in music and acting and singing and stuff and I went there I went there once and I thought it was fun but really challenging uh you know I thought this whole thing this whole life thing was just a fun thing I don't know where I got that from I don't know where my life goals were put in order uh, but that's, that's just kind of how I saw it. So it wasn't until like junior, senior year of high school that I was like, Oh no, I need to pick a profession. And, Oh, what am I good at? And, Oh, I'm just dancing on stage and singing and doing all this. Oh, sorry about that. It said I was muted. Um, oh, can you hear nope. me now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where did I leave off? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, the whole part where I, I kind of was snickering in the background, which is probably the thing I got muted when you said you were just singing and dancing up on stage, which was, you know, I, I, somehow I got, you know, it's raining men in the back of my head. I, I, I apologize for that. I was <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> um, that's kind of, you know, that was a weird, yeah. Well, um, yeah, it wasn't until like, like high school where I, I kind of, felt like oh I need to hone this and either make this a craft or ditch it because uh the, you know that's when people start focusing on college the ACTs the SATs uh figuring out what they want to do with their lives and for me it was like oh what am I good at uh well I'm a singer I'm a dancer uh I, I think I can act maybe uh let's try for musical theater school and this was just because I was like what do you do when you add those things together because initially I wanted to just be a dancer um I guess that was that was the the furthest I've ever gone in a in a semi-professional kind of endeavor. But uh, 
I wanted to do all of it. So I just added it all together and uh, it said musical theater. So that was when I got serious and I started applying myself to musical theater colleges. And uh, from there, it just, it, it jetted off into this career. But yeah, for, for me, it was never like, I'm going to be on stage and be amazing. It was like, oh, what do I do? Uh, I'm going to do this. And then it ended up being that, which is great. I think that's, I think that's how real passion is, is derived from. It's like, I love to do this. I don't know how to do this professionally, but I'm going to go with the only path that's given. And, oh, look, it's a career now, you know? <laughs> so uh, at least for artists, I think that's that's kind of how it works. Yeah, yeah. The um, it, it looks like what you ended up doing was just trying to find opportunities to continue the, the repetitions and then right. – see where it went it just seemed like you were looking for opportunities of like okay i like this so where can i do this the most and at that that point you can figure out okay am i really good at this you know is it going to go somewhere is it open you up to opportunities um so how did you find some of those early opportunities opening up to you like what are those what did those initially look like you know when you started applying yourself to uh to more of the the theater and, and the dancing and, and so on and so forth well, I, don't, I think I think the cries for attention were what really got me into this the specific field. Like I remember, I think my first, I think my parents' first realization that I should not be playing sports <laughs> was uh, when I was, you know, on the soccer field or the baseball field doing cartwheels and dancing and and putting on a show for everybody, I guess. Um, and they were like, "Yeah, you're kind of wasting the sport, so maybe you should." take a, a dance class or something so I started with tap class because of that I don't know that that outreach of, of dancing and sports and uh so I feel like the same happened with singing one day I was like you know what I think I want to try singing and uh, I feel like I can do it so I would mimic people like Josh Groban or people like uh I don't know other singers like Elton John and uh my you know then the parents were like oh so you can do that so maybe you should take voice lessons um, and I think, I think being at an early age and figuring out what I was, what I was good at, uh, from, you know, as an actor, I think that's the most important thing to find that as soon as possible and just start training. Because when you get to the city, you realize that as much as the degree is helpful, um, it doesn't really matter. It, it just matters if you're good at it or not. And, uh, so I guess I guess the most important thing for me was just uh, learning how to train and what to train at an early age. So I could, by the time I got to college, I could focus more on the things that were I was particularly good at within that field, and then just fly with it. So as you started to narrow down, and maybe not really narrow down your field, but you know, start to really focus on what you wanted your craft to be. You any items that you, you know, you wanted to get into, um, you know, what I'm kind of getting at here is, did you have any beautiful disasters where, oh, I was going to, I really wanted to do this, didn't work any way you thought it was going to, but in the end, something really good came out of that experience. And I'm just, I'm thinking you might've come across those because of the number of times you've either been, you know, potentially auditioning or trying out for something, or even once you've got it going through and really honing the um, character that you're trying to bring life to. Do you have any of those beautiful disasters that come to mind? 
Oh man, my whole career is a beautiful disaster. It's uh, <laughs> in the best way possible. You know, you set your goals on something so specific and you look at the percentage of what, of the possibilities of getting that specific trajectory of what you want. And it's so small. And I, and my ego got, gets in the way all the time. And I'm like, I don't care about those percentages. I'm amazing. And then I go into an audition or to the, to the skill, the, the, you know, the job that I want to do. And I realize, oh, there are a thousand people here that also want to do that exact same job. And I think just seeing that is, is to this day, I'm still learning that it's, it's always eye opening and it's always like, well, you have a specific thing you want to do and you can keep trying for it or you can keep your horizons a little broader and then um, adapt from adapt from seeing the realities of it. So if you don't get this part, you can still be if you're still willing to do this part in the same company, then, you know, you have more chances of booking something. So instead of me saying, I want to be this part in this show. Now I say, oh, please just put me in the show. Or please put me in this set of shows like that are on a on a touring company or something just so I can broadening my horizons in that aspect just really do help me achieve what I want. Um, as far as beautiful disasters go, it's just like you set you set your heart and soul into something and uh, you don't get it. And then you say, what do I do now? Um, so, for example, I, I wanted to become a. Uh, like a soloist on stage. And I realized that in this, in this climate, and if you want to go into the politics of being an Asian guy, I would be more than happy to go with in, you know, in that with you, because that's a whole other bag of cats. Um, (laughs) You know, you realize your purpose isn't really an existing thing until you make it your purpose. Um, it's really hard to to navigate through this uh, through this topic. Actually, I'm sorry if it seems like I'm no 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 no. Up, so. What's interesting is the the part that I I pulled out of that in just the conversation was how you switched a mindset. If I'm hearing you right, like your mindset when you went into something, instead of getting so focused on I must have said title or I must have said um, character. You started looking at it going, okay, I want to have said experience. I want yeah. to be open to these new opportunities. And so by making that shift in your head, did that allow, basically allow for more opportunities to open up to you just because you were using a new filter, which to view the world from or through? It did. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, I think filter is a great word for that. It's, uh, I think knowing your limits, is is a dangerous thing to say but also knowing your you know knowing your potential is is something in the future knowing your limits is the now and so i didn't go into the world of musical theater thinking that i was an asian guy that i was a certain height that i was a certain build that i was a certain voice type i only went into it thinking i just want to do these cool jobs because they're the leads and they're getting all the attention um but you have to factor in, especially as an actor, your your type. And whether or not you want to change that is up to a slow progression of you trying to do that while staying in your type. Because you can't break out of your type if you're only typed. So for me, it was, I have to accept that I am an Asian guy. I also have to accept that I'm not an Asian guy because I was adopted and I have no idea what you know the culture is of being a real Asian guy. 
um, I have to accept that I have a low voice, even though I want to do all these roles that are, you know, that, that sing higher. I, you know, at least for now, until I can mold myself into a more flexible singer, I have to uh, stay in the lower, you know, in the lower singing type, which does limit you to certain things. And it does change your perspective of what's real in the business and what you can improve on later. So, yeah, I would say, I would say just facing, facing a, a hundreds of auditions have and, and, you know, failing terribly have uh, helped me realize that um, in order to succeed in this business, you have to you have to really broaden your horizons and you also really have to uh, accept where you are now. And then the change comes later. So on the adventure, because I like to use that word when we think about life and the directions that we go. So on your adventure thus far. You know, let's say you and I were, we met at the airport and I actually decided to keep peeling that question back with you. You know, what do you do? Where have you been? What yeah. has been, and it's kind of weird in my head, I've got this like um, shoots and ladders game going on right now, as far as like the direction your career has taken. So what does that look like over the last uh, five, six, seven years, as far as, you know, just a high level, like what you've worked on and and move to between, you know, just because I, I think the audience would be really interested in the fact that um, initially you started with a very narrow focus, but I mean, again, the family connection, you and I have known each other for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. I know it's been anything but that very narrow focus. So what have, uh, what have been some of the, the items you've worked on over the last, you know, five, six, seven years? Oh, wow. A lot of stuff. Actually, I think uh, coming from a dance background, even though I now find that I'm not as passionate as a dancer, or not passionate at all as a dancer, I, I use that tool to get into the doors of a lot of like auditions, which led me to an immediate success of, uh, of a Broadway show. And it was uh, called Anything Goes, the revival. It happened in 20, uh, the 2011, the beginning of 2011. And that was shortly after I graduated at the end of 2010. Um, I think that that tool helped me get uh, helped me get a perspective of the industry of musical theater. And after I saw that perspective, it was you know it was so intense for me. Um, I decided uh, to kind of shell in and just look for other things that I was passionate about too as backups. And I think that's where voiceover came along. Um, the the industry. Uh, I feel like uh, after after the Broadway show, I felt broken after that show just because it was it was high intensity. It was it was at the almost the highest caliber you can get in terms of musical theater, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. But at the same time, I almost feel like I wasn't ready for that just because I, I didn't have the levels working up to that job. It was just immediate job. Um, and through learning the limits versus my versus my ego of what I wanted, it was it was hard to handle. So uh, I discovered voiceover shortly after, um, and I, I pursued that because I felt like I was good at that, and I could hide behind something else that already existed and um, just share my other talents of mimicry through that. Uh, so that was that was how that door opened, and I think the door opened right in the right time for me but in the wrong way for me uh we can go into that if you want um 
Am I answering your question I, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, don't ever worry about uh, um, answering the question right or wrong. I mean, this is all um, really, really good insight. So, um, yeah, so if you want to, go ahead and, and go into that point a little bit more. It, it sounds like you feel like there's a nugget in there worth uh, worth finding and talking about. Sure. I Okay, so... I know that I know now that voiceover for me is a tool. It is a it is a tool and an art that I'm good at and that I like to do and that makes me happy and also is something that I feel like can can project art at its truest form because if you're doing voiceover that means you usually have an artist that's at least mixing it that means that you have an artistic artist that is drawing it you have a, a storyteller you have everything um, and so that collaboration of art is, is very celebrated at its core. And I, I really do like that. And on top of, on top of that, being an Asian American man, um, that doesn't matter in voiceover. It just matters what you sound like. So to me, that was freeing and liberating because I wasn't pigeonholed as the Asian kid who can dance. I was, I was typed as, oh, he has a deeper voice that can do funny cartoon character, uh, you know, sounds. So he's versatile. And, I think that feeling of versatility helped me tremendously gain some confidence in my ability to project other things besides, I don't know, that Asian American man, stubborn guy who, you know, is, is young and has to learn a lot. Um, so that tool opened up through that experience of, uh, you're not hating musical theater, but really like being, I, I felt over like pressured too much pressure from that industry um but what i will say about it is i i looking at it that way as an escape goat versus looking at it as a tool to enhance my craft um i think handicapped me because then i quit doing musical theater for a small stretch of time and uh i think i could have been a lot more productive um but i guess that's the journey of, of life right um, right. And more than likely, I guess you could always find a way to get back into it. It seems it, it seems like um, getting that first job was somewhat of a mixed blessing. Right. It, you know, super exciting. But at the same time, I don't think, uh, you know, from uh, from hearing you, it, it doesn't sound like you expected to be shot out of a cannon either, um, you know, into the entertainment world. Right. Um, I don't know if you follow. Do you follow UFC? by any chance UFC you mean the uh, uh fighting? fighting champion yeah yeah I so do. there's a guy yeah, yeah. there's a guy named Ben Askren I don't know if you know him uh he's this Olympic Olympic level wrestler who uh recently got destroyed by another Olympic level wrestler Jordan Burroughs and Jordan Burroughs says there are levels to these things and I feel like Jordan Burroughs and, and Ben Askren are both uh, uh, heavy influencers on me, at least now, as of the last year or so, because it shows the levels that you go through in order to achieve the greatness that you that you try to get. And unfortunately, I felt like me hitting the Broadway level right away, I'm skipping the levels underneath. So instead of me getting to, you know, build up the level, I, see, I actually feel like my trajectory uh, to this point of my life was I hit the top and then I had to go back down to the bottom and start over and level up the middle part. Um, 
so that you know that that journey is is was a very strange, and it still it still feels pretty strange to me. But at least now I'm getting the flow of things, and I'm understanding my place and uh, understanding where to go next. So within the experience, and and I've got two questions that I'm bouncing around in my head, and we'll see if we can hit both of them. Mm-hmm. The the one is as you've been developing your skills throughout this, it doesn't sound like this is something you've done you know, on your own. Um, I mean, uh, yes, you're, you're the one doing your work, but as far as like skill development, figuring out where you can get better, I'm assuming you haven't done this all on your own. Like you've worked with other people, maybe coaches or mentors or am I way off? No, you're, you know, it, I don't think you can grow as an artist on your own. I think whether or not you acknowledge the fact that you've taken knowledge from other people is, is up to the ego of the artist. But I think, I think mentors could be as simple as a podcast. Like um, I started listening to the Joe Rogan podcast about a year ago, and mm-hmm. that has changed my you know, perception of just thinking in general. Um, he has so many cool people on and so many you know, different, different avenues of things to think about and look at. And that helps me broaden my horizons to what's possible within my own art because it shows the hard work and dedication that goes into crafting a human or crafting, crafting a pathway. Um, so I would say there were, there were a lot of mentorships, in, in quotes, that I've, I've gone through. And I've also taken a lot of voice lessons. I've also, I also have a lot of friends who help guide me back on the path when I feel like I'm falling off the path. Um, but art is a, very, is a very strange and unique thing where it's not, it, it's not a formula that will help you succeed. It's just a formula that might and there are there are five thousand formulas, and if none of them work, it's not necessarily because you're not qualified or you know right for it necessarily. It's just you weren't in the right moment. So yeah, I would say I would say I had plenty of mentors. Um, so how have you went about um, you know selecting them? I mean, it sounds like there's a good amount that's you know, passive mentorship, you know, the podcast comes to mind. And I listen to a lot of podcasts for the same reason. You know, I want to get some different perspectives and uh, it's, it's, you know, when else am I going to ever have, you know, Elon Musk sitting in my car? Well, never, but I can listen to a podcast and get his perspective. Right. Um, Right. So there's that passive kind of mentorship that's out there, but how have you actively selected uh, either coaches or mentors? Um, well, for coaches, it's, it's, you know, you look up, uh, the qualifications in order to achieve what you want. So for example, if it's a voice lesson, I want to be able to sing with less tension in my throat. I look at, um, I'll go online and look at people, um, to see their qualifications for uh, how they teach and what they teach and why they do it. Um, and then I'll just choose from them and, uh, or I'll have I'll ask my friends and say, hey, do you have voice lessons or voice coaches? So it's it's more about shared information and just taking a chance on a you know a person that has qualifications, like going back to school. Um, and then if a mentorship buds from that, that's great. As far as mentorships within the industry, unfortunately, you know, like I, I have one guy. Uh, he, he he means a lot to me. His name's Jason Ma. Shout out to him if he ever listens to this. I hope he does. Um, He's always been there as a friend and as a as a um, director and as a composer and somebody who's very versed and successful in this business. He's always had my back and, and tried to uh, steer me in the right direction. Um, but even with that, I feel like 
unfortunately, as an artist, it's so individual. Unless you are a, an exact an exact copy or so similar to somebody else that can help guide you through their journey of success to, to get you there, you have to find it yourself. So I feel like if I have to go to mentors, I have to go back to my roots of growing up, like my parents and like my family in general, like everyone in my family, I think, uh, for the most part, were very hard workers. And, uh, you know, just uh, they would, there, there's a lot of like toughness to my family that I feel like is, is missing in a lot of artists' lives. And I, I don't mean to say that in a negative way, but just in a positive way towards mine. So for me, my, my mentors were my family um, and, my, and my wife as well. She, she always keeps me in line and keeps me in check with, uh, with my attitude. And she's also a very advanced singer, so she helps me um, train my vocals. Um, yeah, that's, that's primarily how I find mentors. Um, yeah, and, and that's pretty, that's actually pretty interesting because it sounds, and this is where I think it's different than, let's say, the businesses or, you know, engineering from my standpoint, you know, like if I'm looking to get better at project management for large, or large uh, you know, cement plant outages, you know, I can find somebody that has experience in exactly that thing with really close to my background and mm -hmm. I can work with them and mentor under them. Um, mm -hmm. whereas it sounds like from your standpoint, you actually use more of the hired gun or the coach when you know there's an area you either want to shore up or make a whole lot better than everybody else. That's where you get really specific. But other than that, it sounds like you just try to take in as much feedback and the environment as possible and then sift <laughs> through it and figure out which one, which points, you know, okay, I'm going to keep that one. That, that's a good little bit of knowledge i'm gonna hold on to that and everything else you just throw to the side right um yeah it's i mean that's unfortunate you know like the the mentors that i wish to have are all celebrities um <laughs> and that you know that's kind of hard to reach out to them like one of the one of the people i was uh, fortunate enough to work with and i you know i still have his information and time to time he'll we'll talk for a short amount of time uh is i don't know if you know who B.D. Wong is. Have you heard of him? Mm, name's familiar. Anyways, yeah, go on. He, you know, he's a very intelligent actor. He, he's very different. He has a deeper voice. He's Asian-American. He, he, um, he, he's, he's very, very similar to me. And when I worked with him on, um, on a couple projects, uh, I just felt this, this resonance that I haven't felt with a lot of other people just because I feel like he's gone through a similar thing. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, he's a celebrity. And so there isn't really any time to mentor someone like me. And not to say someone like me is unimportant as as a person, but like he's a celebrity. So I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it's hard to have yeah, mentors in this, in this field. Yeah, time is also a, a premium for, for, uh, for those items. So, um, so what is it? Is it just the fact that he has such a close background to yourself is definitely one of the reasons that you kind of like to, uh, um, uh, there's a, there's an expression a while back that I heard where, um, somebody was talking about, you know, if I could be around great people, you know, kind of like what you're talking about mentors and those that you really want to be around. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I'd love to be, you know, a waiter at the table just to walk around the outside and just listen to the discussion if that's all I could get. 
Um, and it almost right. sounds like what you're looking – is that kind of what you're looking for with, with Beattie because it is such a, a similar background. But really, um, even if he wasn't actively working with you, like you just want to have as many touches with that person as possible just to, again, see what you can pick up and see what's worth implementing. For sure. Yeah, like, you know, if you're, if you're an engineer – or, I mean, since you're an engineer – uh, I am. Elon Musk comes to mind. You know, yep. uh, you're an awesome engineer at that. I, I keep up with your um, social media. It's it's very inspiring. Um, oh, but yeah, uh, you know, Elon Musk comes to mind. I think he's a hero of mine too. I think I think he's a hero of everybody. I think he's an everyman hero. But like in specifics, like he's you know he he makes awesome stuff and he's very successful at it. And he's uh, he, he he makes millions and millions of dollars. But all he, all he cares about is the work and doing doing as much as possible to, to forward human longevity and to forward, um, you know, the mechanics. And um, I think through that alone, it's just, uh, you know, I, I want somebody like that in my life. But unfortunately, uh, I'm finding that as an actor, you're you're kind of a you're kind of a mimic or a, a pawn to what's real. Um, so everyone, therefore, becomes your idol after a certain point, um, which is liberating, but at the same time not helpful when you need specific things in your career. So it, it's hard to it's hard to separate who inspires you from who will help you get to the next level. Like as much as I love Elon Musk, I don't think he will, <laughs> you know, his expertise will be able to help me forward my specific. Um, my specific qualities that will help me get more jobs in the future. I think, I think his mentality of just do it over and over again is the only thing I can really take from that other than he's super successful and awesome. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard. I, I find as an actor, it's really hard to, to find people or, you know, idols or people to cling to, to, to grow with. Um, and I find that more and more that you have to be that person yourself. And it's, that that's kind of shallow in a sense, but at the same time, I feel like that's that's the life of an actor. I I I wouldn't actually call it shallow. I think it's an interesting introspection on the self of under of understanding that in the end, like you have to figure out, you know, what's going to motivate you. What are you going to learn from your own um, experiences? Um, you know, it's the difference between a person that you know, read the book about doing push-ups and somebody that actually does push-ups, right? Um, right? And so I think it's it's kind of the part of, you know, maybe you've hit a, a point where now you've got enough, you've done enough push-ups that uh, you can actually look back at that and you can start extracting those bits of knowledge from your own experiences as opposed to trying to see them from other people. And, and it's an interesting transition. It's something that I've been um, going through for the last couple of years, you know, having been in heavy industry and engineering for over 15 years, um, you reach a point where you're like, okay, I've got enough of my own experiences. I don't need to hunt other experiences as much as I like them. Um, But Mm -hmm. how do I start building with my own experiences and my own knowledge? So that's just, that's just my take on it. So I don't don't take it as shallow. I just think it as a, it's almost a a shift that I've started to make of, okay, I, I, I rely on people less to learn from their experiences because I have enough of my own and it's not to shut them out, but to understand that I have enough knowledge to get most of this done. So then now let me be really specific about those experiences I want to get and what knowledge do I want to attain. 
Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We've, we've talked a lot about what you do for a job, and I definitely want to spend some time talking about the, the voice acting because I find that the most uh, – well, one, it's the, it's the most recent thing you've been working on. You've been doing a lot of cool things there. But um, what does downtime look like for you? Uh, downtime. Um, it's very random. Because all, I, all work yeah. and no play makes Jack a dull boy. So, come on, you got to have some downtime Jack in there, right? Boy. <laughs> uh, downtime for me is uh, I'm finding more and more of my downtime is watching a series with my wife. Um, like uh, we recently binged um, to catch up with Game of Thrones, um, and it's it's you know like I, I like watching TV shows. The, the TV shows or documentaries really inspire me. Um, it used to be video games just because like I like the the creation part of it and. Uh, it refreshes my, you know, it refreshes my gears. But like now, more days, I just want to hear stories. I want to see fun stories, or I want to hear uh, fun life journeys on my free time. Uh, so yeah, I've I've been watching. Uh, what is it? We've been watching Westworld recently, and we're okay. we're at the the last episode of season one. So uh, if you watch it, don't tell me. But um, it's it's really good. Uh, and I, I'm yeah. very inspired by the acting in it. Um, I'm very inspired by the storytelling. Um, so that and eating food, I think those are the those are the two things right now that are my downtime. Ah, so you're a foodie. Uh, sure, sure. I like to take food and and shove it into me. That's <laughs> so. So I guess what I, I guess what I was getting at is. Uh... A long time ago, somebody uh, said you can classify people in, in two broad ways. They're either foodies or fuelies. And fuelies are people that are just like, I have to eat, so this is I'm just going to do it. And foodies are the ones that really get into, you know, like presentation and, and taste. And, and, of course, you can move back and forth between those. But some people really fall into one category or the other. And so are you more of a foodie or are you more fuelie. of a fuelie? Fuelie? A yeah. fuelie. For sure. I could eat the same thing every day, I think. Um, but my wife is slowly introducing me to be more of a foodie and to be more picky. Um, I mean, the whole the, the whole idea of dieting is kind of new to me as well. Um, and the whole the whole idea of eating healthy over eating cheap in quantity is, is also mm. kind of a new thing that I've started implementing in the last year <laughs> or so. So uh, it's starting to change, but I'd say I'm still a fuelie for the most part. Yeah, and that's I, I'm that way because traveling so much for work, I have like the three to five restaurants I can go to, and I eat mm -hmm. them, and I know exactly what I'm going to get, and there's no surprises. And I think part of it is it's just I don't have to think about it. But with that being said, my wife is definitely more of the, the foodie. And so I like to go out and experience, you know, different kind of foods and things of that nature. It's just like, kind of like you, if I had the choice of really trying to think a lot about it for a little gain on taste versus I know what this is and I know what I'm going to get, I'm, I'm always going to go towards the, uh, the fuel route. It's just easier. Mm -hmm. I'd say being married is, that's one of the privileges is you can be both because uh, sometimes you're forced to be both. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it definitely opens up that. Um, so downtime. 
sounds like you spend a lot of time with uh, with family, which is awesome. Another thing I'm thinking about is because you've been exposed to a lot of scripts and uh, I'm assuming you read a lot and, and so on, um, you know, exposed to a lot of things like that. Do you have a favorite quote or, or maybe joke that comes to mind, like just something that, you know, just a, a quote that kind of sticks with you? Well, a recent quote, actually, and it's not, it's from a, it was from watching Jordan. Do you know who Jordan Peterson is? I do. Uh, I I really respect the what he's doing for the world right now with all of his with you know with all of his debates and all of his, uh, mm-hmm. his uh, talking to people. Um, he said something that that sparked something in me, um, which was along the lines of working or, or trying to figure out happiness is or trying to work to be happy is is kind of false. Like happiness is kind of the aftermath of working to. Um, promote the best you possible. I feel like um, for the longest time, I've just tried, I've been trying to find out what makes me happy. And I think that's important to reflect on, but it's a wrong way to reflect on it in terms of, in terms of goals. I think your goal should be to work towards something that you, that not that you're happy doing, but you're really good at doing. And then the results, the result leads to the happiness. Um, and just that perspective alone uh, kind of is kind of helping me uh, shift into like third gear here and like really push forward as a as as an artist and hold myself responsible to what I'm doing with with my art. So do you think focusing more on the the struggle or the journey that's in there is is what is that what you think he's actually referencing within there is is looking at the the work you're putting in and the development don't always just focus on like the end goal which is happy but the journey itself exactly yeah i think that's very much it i think we try to skip that journey i think we try to skip immediately to happiness but really what makes us happy is the journey and what makes humans happy in general is the struggle because we like obstacles and as soon as we get rid of the obstacles there's nothing to move maneuver around we get bored and then we're not happy which is why a lot of you know we read about a lot of rich people being unhappy and like we look at that as selfish, but at the same time, it's like, Oh, they've lost their obstacle. Um, so I feel like um, the obstacle is something that we should focus more on and less on happiness because that is an after, that is an aftermath result of working hard and, you know, finding your journey towards, towards achieving what you would like to. Um, it's just a perspective change. I think for me, it was, it was an eye opener because like, do you, would you rather just snap your fingers and have the perfect body or would you rather go to the gym every day? Would you rather feel the pain? Would you rather see the evolve, uh, gain the knowledge and then have that body, even if it takes you a couple of years versus tomorrow? And the, the selfish person in me would say, well, I want that body. But the more I think about it, no, I would rather have the journey to get there because the, the achievement of of going through that process is actually what I yearn for because that's the, the fun part, I guess that the, the best part of life is that moment. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, the, the, the journey is the interesting part. That's where, um, the, you know, in line. So one of my favorite quotes is, um, uh, chance favors the prepared. And I think that kind of goes along with the same idea of 
um, you know, going along the journey, you, you keep picking up experiences, waiting for mm-hmm. a window of opportunity to open up. And hopefully you've had enough preparedness that it, it, it may look like chance to the outsider. This is the whole overnight, you know, overnight success deal. Um, but mm-hmm. really it was something that you were working on and struggling over for a, a, a certain time frame before that opportunity came up. And I think it's, uh, yeah, I think keeping yourself on the, on the journey, as long as it doesn't feel like a hamster wheel is definitely, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a great way to, to keep good perspective. Hmm. So for sure, voiceover. I really want to touch on this with you before we uh, get close to signing off on this. So, so I guess first for my own terminology, what do you call it? Is it voiceover? Is it voice acting? Is there a difference between the two? Well, voiceover is the is the is the craft. Voice acting is is my craft in that craft. Um, so I, I call it both. I would say voiceover is. Is kind of the whole thing. Voice acting is my part. Because um, in voiceover, even if you're not doing it, you're still engineering it. Or if you're not engineering it, you're producing it. Um, because in in those quality things, there, there's there's a family to it. So yeah, I call it I call it voiceover work, but I call myself a voice actor. Gotcha. So the voice acting is one part of what goes into making the the voice over in a, in a big overarching sense the the finished product so in voice acting itself one of the things i'm interested in um if you were to meet somebody brand new off the street and they wanted to get into it how what kind of guidance would you give them that would help them get to like you know 50 percent or you know 70 percent of a skill set to where they might actually have something to, you know, to step in the studio with. Like, how do you even start with the whole, like, how would you help some person? Well, I would ask them, is this because you want to make easy money because you heard it was in you know, a fun way of making money? Or is it because you like acting? Is it because you like the, the over, you think you have a unique voice that you would like to share with everybody else and you you're willing to go through that process it's it all starts with the you have to have the right mentality of realizing how one how difficult it is to get into the industry and two you have to understand what having a knack for it really means like if someone tells you if if like somebody in like i get this all the time if somebody in starbucks tells you wow you have a nice voice you should do radio or something and then you take that as yeah i should and i want to do that um I think you just have to you have to make sure that you, the the passion is really there and it's not just a, ooh this is another avenue because uh, if you want to make that your career that's that's a whole different story as I just want to pursue this to to have some fun or I want to pursue this to uh, prove a friend that I could do it I don't know um, so I would start with that question to see what, to gauge what level uh, you would want to do and then I would say voiceover nowadays is a pay to play situation where it's, if, if you really want to get into the industry, you should probably take lessons or you should probably take a class from the, the, the agencies that can get you to that next level because it's such a saturated environment. 
So in order to get through that saturation, you kind of have to you have to play the game, which is paying for class. Um, so that would be step two. And then step three is just constantly practice. Like I would say, if you want to do voiceover and you think you, you have a knack for it, you should be able to read pages after pages after pages of, of script with very little error. Um, and not only error as in like word error, but also phrasing. Um, I would I would probably say learn how to phrase a sentence, learn learn the beginnings to the endings of an English sentence and the structure of it, and then um, once you have that down, maybe learn learn how people say things and why people say things a certain way with the inflections, um, depending on the situation. And then you have to know you know it's it's a very it's a very complicated thing, but overall it's if you have the passion to do this, you should number one. You should make sure that you're you're in it for the long haul because it takes forever to get into it. Number two, you kind of have to pay to play. You have to take classes. You have to adapt. You have to learn who the casting directors are. You have to learn who the director directors are, who the who your competition is, what the realities of your voice being in a certain genre of something. Because um, there are many types of voiceover. Um, there's promo, there's commercial, there's animation, there's uh, ESL, which I do a mixture of all of that. But um, if if your voice is very unique, maybe it only fits in a couple categories. And if you're willing to be uh, in that category, then then go for it. But if you wanna if you wanna break boundaries, then that's gonna take a long time. Um, does that answer that question? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It makes sense. I mean, I like the idea. Like one. Is this a hobby or is this a passion? That, that, that seems really good. Two, go, uh, and it's kind of interesting that you say pay to play because really what it sounds like you're trying to do is you need to, one, pay to get the skill set or at least that level of coaching like we talked about earlier, the real focus right. coaching. But also there's a, um, a networking portion of that. And, and, I'm, and I think that's interesting because, you know, the pay to play portion, okay, yes, you're going to get the training, but it also, it's kind of a way to keep the hobbyists out of the industry, you know, in a way it's like, if you're not going to pony up with some money to, uh, to better yourself, then why should anybody take you seriously? So that's kind of, that's interesting um, that that's in there as well. And then it also, like the last part is, is just, just practice the foundational skill set, which is something that you'll need regardless of the category you go down. So yeah, that made a lot of sense. I mean, if somebody just getting started in here, it's like, all right, for your next, you know, three to six months, this is going to be your life, you know, and you may not get a job, but this is what you're going to have to do in order to have a, a marketable skill that, uh, right. that you can take. That makes a lot of sense. So the networking portion, if we go all the way back to the Broadway play. Um, I know you've been on tour where you traveled around the country and then mm -hmm. the voice acting. How has networking impacted some of those opportunities or actually more importantly, like how do you, how do you see networking within this community and how do you effectively network? Oh, okay. So it depends on, it depends on the, the people you're networking with. I find that for a few of the jobs that I go in for, like the potentials with producers, um, like I do a lot of readings um, and I've done a few readings that have the potential to go to Broadway in a, in a big caliber way. Um, 
I feel like in those situations, you have to be nice. You have to be open-minded, especially if you're new. Like the networking for me is just not to get in their way and not to uh, disappoint and study your material and make sure you're on point with the material. Um, and then they call you back and then they say thank you. Um, if, it's, if it's for smaller things, like I don't say smaller as insignificant, but just uh, newer, newer form of it. Uh, like I do a lot of readings readings are essentially read throughs of a potential of a potential show um but you're not you're you're reading from a script you're not there's no choreography or movement really uh, incorporated and it's still in its work so you could you can always change the work it's not finalized um i do a lot of readings for nyu which is a lot of new stuff and for that i i like to be very open and honest with the creative team because those are the people that make or break the future of that piece in your career. Um, and I find the more closed off you are with them, the, the less interested they are in you. Whereas in a professional setting, like at a high caliber show, the more involved that you try to become with them, the less interested they are with you. So uh, that for for musicals at least that is how i network i just try to i try to gauge the situation of oh how high of a caliber is this where is what level am i at and what is my place um and for voiceover it's the same it's the same thing ideally except for uh, what's great about voiceover at least the stuff i'm doing is it's a one-on-one -on -one. um you're not usually in a group of people you're not competing against others once you once you get in that room it's just you so you have the opportunity to be to just be yourself to be very to be organically human and the more human you are they like it the the more professional you are and closed off the more not professional i should say the more closed off you are into yourself the less interested they are depending on the the company but um yeah it varies it varies it just depends on the level yeah, that makes sense. You got to understand the the people you're working with and what do they really want out of you. It sounds like those high caliber jobs, they're you know hiring a uh, a, a set skill set, and this is really all they want. It it almost sounds like the whole uh, you speak when spoken to <laughs> kind of standpoint. Um, exactly. Yeah. Whereas, whereas with potentially, and again, like you said, not just us. It's not a small job with regards to role, but um, are they looking for you to bring in some creative input not just a voice or um a dancing body or something of that nature you know like they're actually looking for you to bring your craft in to the position so no that's, that's a very good point when it comes to you know networking and how to effectively uh, deal with those different situations right oh and i guess i would say if you're if if anyone's listening to this that wants to be maybe an actor in the future, you should know the difference between giving your creative input and not. Um, producers and directors do not give your creative input. They are the creative input. Um, uh, people who write the stuff, they're also the creative input, but they're more open, I think, to suggestions and bringing your own personality to it because your creative input, therefore, is what the director would normally do. So you can you can bring you can bring some spice to that um, to the aspect of your craft as long as you're not changing words or if you're changing words it's because the acting part of you says my I feel like the character that I'm trying to portray resonates more with this word and then the writer can go yes that's 
that's the word that we should use, you're right, and then they change it for you. But if you say that to a director, they're going to be like, shut up and do your job because I'm the one who decides whether or not that's a good choice. Um, so I think, I think finding that balance between creative input and not surprisingly comes from you can be more creative with the creative team that, that wrote it. You, can be, you probably shouldn't be as creative with the person who's trying to make you creative, which is the director or the producer. Um, but that's just from my experience. I could be totally wrong on that. No, that makes sense. That, that's really interesting um, when you bring that up. So it's like the, the director or producer is looking to you as a tool, which they're going to use to make their piece of art. Whereas in the writing portion, um, the art hasn't quite been made yet, so they're not exactly sure um, if you're a part of the team or are you just the tool set there, but they know you're integral to it. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's probably a very healthy perspective, especially knowing um, people get very territorial when they feel like they're trying to smudge their thumbprint. They're trying to put on right. something. So mm -hmm. it's the, it's the phrase I heard recently, like, you know, stay in your lane, bro. Um, you know, that <laughs> kind of comes to mind when you're talking about it as well. The, yeah. So I want to be respectful of your time to, to start um, wrapping this up with one final question, and that is with regards to routines. Um, and it's something I'm always interested in is if people who, like yourself, are successful within one area or just overall in life, um, do you have any routines that when you're in them and you're in the groove, like the whole day is just more productive? And this could be, you know, a morning, evening, lunch routine, or even something you do like right before you step into the booth for voice acting. Do you have any of those and would you be willing to share them? Oh, for sure. Um, so there are a couple of routines and this is, this is straying from the artistic side, more of just the mental side for me is my diet. That's the one thing I can totally control, I think. Um, I'm, I'm finding that intermittent fasting is helping me, you know, is, is really helping me um, feel more empowered within myself. Um, just, you know, shedding that extra weight alone has changed my, my mental, you know, my mental stature. I think it's helped me build a stronger, a stronger um, me. So when I go to do these jobs, I'm more confident. Um, I also feel like, uh, warming up I you know this is so terrible to say but I uh, in my youth I never really youth in my youth youth I never really warmed up uh warmed up before a class warmed up before rehearsal warmed up before a job I would just go in cold and expect my talents to be there but the reality is you have to you have to constantly be warming up you have to constantly be uh be ready to go at your at your peak and you won't be at your peak unless you hit those warm-ups first so for me it's like basic uh basic vocal vocal exercises make sure that you at least are physically you know at, do a few push-ups before you before you go into a, a movement call or if you're acting maybe read a few pages of, of stuff before you go into a cold read for voiceover um that's that's always helped me get get into the groove of stuff and uh it's those little maintenance routines that really help at least for me an actor or my acting or performance life really thrive um i've noticed that the more things you can control as an artist which are very little which is very little amount 
within the the artistic side and more about just you, um, the more control you have over um, achieving what you want, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Definitely sounds like you build the routines around the things that you, as you said, you control, and then uh, that better prepares you for the rest of the things which you have no control over and you just got to deal with as they come at you. So best to be stretched out and limber so you don't pull a, uh, so you don't pull a hammy, right? Exactly. <laughs> so to close this out, uh, Daniel, how can people search for you, find your work, keep up with all the, the, the cool things that you're doing over the vast interwebs? What are some good ways that people can reach out and contact you and, and follow you? Sure. Um, if you type in Daniel J. Edwards in Google, I mean, most of my stuff comes up. I'm on Twitter as Daniel J. Edwards. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Daniel J. Edwards. Um, I don't really use Facebook except for family stuff, so I, I'm not going to promote that. But uh, even if you want to find me on Spotify, it's Daniel J. Edwards. I released a small EP of like a few songs. Um, yeah, so you can just you can find me by typing my name in Google. <laughs> Fair enough. That's uh, that's not a bad way to do it, and I'll make sure those uh, I'll get those links for me, and we'll put those in the show notes. But Daniel, just want to say thank you very much. I had a fantastic time talking with you today. Really appreciate it. So thank you once again for being on the Growth Happens Dawn to Dust podcast. Thank you for having me. Many thanks to Daniel J. Edwards for that fantastic interview. I think it was really insightful. I enjoyed it. I liked listening to how he changed his perspective in trying to seek a title and really going after experiences and how that has actually allowed him to grow faster and take on more opportunities than when he first got into the business as well as expanding into voiceover work. So really insightful stuff. Definitely connect with him online all over the place. I'll have his links in the show notes below so you guys can check out him, as well as my uh, connections as well throughout the interweb. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all those places, as well as iTunes. So leave me a five stars uh, review. Anything like that will help. So once again, everybody, I really appreciate you listening to this. And just remember, growth happens between dawn and dusk. Mm-hmm.